What is going on, guys? Christian from the Land Prey MMA podcast uh, coming to you with a recap from UFC 272, headlined by Colby Covington and Jorge Gamebred Masvidal. Uh, it was a fantastic fight card. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, there was some fights that we'll discuss here, some fights that I picked wrong. Uh, most of the fights I believe I picked right on, um, but we'll break down each one. Um, if you're watching us on YouTube, thank you so much for tuning in. Make sure to hit that subscribe button, like the video, comment, it helps with the algorithm, and then hit that notification bell anytime that you, uh, or anytime that I post or upload a new video, you guys will be notified. Um, so that way you guys can see whenever we're putting out new videos, I'm going to try to put out one or two videos a week. Um, just because I think for a little bit, I'm going to be running this solo while Jeffrey and Trenton are, um, doing their own things so uh yeah and then if you're listening to us in podcast platform you know pocket cast anchor spotify apple podcast or, or any other type of podcast platform thank you so much make sure to check out our youtube and if you're watching us on youtube make sure to check out our podcast um yeah so let's get into uh, the early prelims, one of the fights that I had talked about was the Tim Elliott versus, uh, Ulambikov to your Ulambikov. And I thought that with Tim Elliott, he, he's just one of those guys that's, you know, inconsistent. I know that he's really good and his record doesn't really show how good of a fighter he actually is. Obviously we got to see him on the ultimate fighter where he won the ultimate fighter and was able to get a, uh, title shot against Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson and he actually put Mighty Mouse in some pretty dangerous positions with submissions um but since then he's kind of been up and down win one lose one win one lose one lose two win one so uh I was thinking that it was going to be more of the same where we we're just going to see a lot of inconsistencies but Tim Elliott he really showed out he he had a phenomenal fight there was some you know, some instances where you're like, okay, this could be kind of a toss up. We just don't know what's going to happen. But I think he was able to uh, put on a good enough performance. Obviously, he got the decision win. And who knows what's going to happen? He's out there with James Krause. And James Krause is arguably one of the, you know, top rising coaches uh, in the fight game, especially for the UFC. And I think if he can get you know, back to winning and being consistent with his wins, he'll definitely get a title shot before his tenure with the UFC is up. Uh, that being said, obviously, he's fought with the UFC before, got cut, and then came back after winning the Ultimate Fighter. So I, I it's going to be interesting to see how he does. Um, flyweight division is pretty stacked. So hopefully he can get a, another good, like, one or two fights Maybe get a finish in there and work his way up to the top 10. Um, headlining the early prelims was Brian Kelleher versus Umar Nurmagomedov, which is the cousin of Khabib. And Umar absolutely put it on Brian Kelleher the whole, that whole fight. He pushed the pace. He did the you know stereotypical Dagestani thing and pushed the pace. Uh, he was the one who brought it to Brian the entire fight and then was able to get the submission, which I honestly thought was going to happen. I didn't, I didn't 
know if it was going to be a, a submission finish or if it was just going to be ground and pound or, you know, just dominance for, you know, three rounds. But he was able to get the first round submission. Um, kicking off the early, or not the early prelims, but the preliminary card was in the women's flyweight division, which was Marina Moroz versus uh, Maria Agapova. And Marina Moroz, first off, shout out to her. She's Ukrainian. And she had, she ended up getting the win with a head and arm choke, uh, like a uh, arm triangle. And she had a beautiful uh, post-fight speech and essentially, you know, was saying that she didn't want her family to be killed and all this other stuff. So um, it was awesome for her to get the win, especially during such a trying time right now. And, uh, I think her and Maria actually were kind of, there was kind of like a rivalry there. So it was good for her to get that win in a dominating fashion. And she was able to, you know, have a, have the time to speak her mind in terms of like what's going on with this Ukraine and Russia thing. So I'm, I'm really glad she picked up that win. That was huge for her. Um, one of the fights that I watched and I just was unsure about was uh, Kennedy and Zeshuklu. I, I'm going to butcher his name. Sorry, buddy. Uh, and uh, Nikolai Nigmoreno. Nigmoreno? Nigmoreno? I don't, I don't even... I don't know how to properly pronounce these guys' last names. They're hard. Um, obviously, Nikolai was at a disadvantage with... Uh, the height and the reach, but he was able to get in close. He landed some good strikes, and at one point, Kennedy got deducted a point for uh, eye poke. I believe he got deducted a point for an eye poke. And for me, I thought Kennedy did enough to win or at least make it a draw. They didn't see it that way, and Nikolai got the win. And some of the stuff that I was reading on Twitter, just like people's reactions and some of the stuff that I saw, that Kennedy has all the potential to be like a top guy in the light heavyweight division, but he does not, like he is lengthy, he's fast, he's strong. He could be one of the top contenders in, at 205 if he just put it all together and didn't hesitate. He doesn't pull the trigger enough. And uh, I think it went against him in this fight because I think he could have had Nikolai in a lot of dangerous positions and he just didn't pull the trigger. He didn't throw enough. He outstruck Nikolai, but the biggest difference was, you know, the eye poke was one thing. Um, and then he gave up a takedown. Um, so it's just one of those things where, you know, get back to the drawing board, change some things up and hopefully we'll see him out there, uh, I would say probably within the next year or two, he'd probably be in the top 10 if he can kind of figure it out and get a little bit more consistent with pushing the pace, the pressure, and then throwing volume. Uh, in the women's strawweight division, Marina Rodriguez versus Yan Zhaonan. I think this was a, a title eliminator because you had number three versus number four in Marina Rodriguez and Yan Zhaonan. And... Marina looked phenomenal. She ended up winning the fight. But the biggest thing in this was even with the takedowns that Jan got, 
it didn't really it didn't really change anything in terms of the outcome. I thought that it was going to be closer uh, just because I feel like Jan's a better striker or push, and she pushes the pace. But Marina is smart. She's been at the top for a little bit. And I think she'll probably end up getting the next title shot, or she should, after... Um, after... Carlos Barza. I couldn't remember who it was. Carlos Barza. So, good for Marina Rodriguez. That was a big win. And it's going to be interesting to see what happens over this next year in the strawweight division. Just because I think Rose and Carlos Barza are scheduled to fight at some point this year. Uh, headlining the preliminary card was Jalen Turner versus Jamin Malarkey. And Jalen Turner looked so good he is going to be so dangerous in the lightweight division for the next couple years he's looked absolutely sensational the biggest thing was he got taken down in the first round by jamie and jamie had a little bit of control i'm not i can't remember how much time specifically but jalen was able to piece him up on the feet and was able to put him away in the within the first minute of the second round. Made it to the second round, and then uh, Jalen just put it on him. And it was a good fight. I think one thing for Jalen, he needs to just work on his ground game a little bit more, work on his wrestling. And then, who knows, he could be in the top 10 with before the year is over, depending on how many fights he gets. Because we're in March, he'd probably get one in July, or June or July, and then another one before the year is over, and then depending on who he fights, he could be in the top 10. He's he's a lot of fun to watch. He's a, he's a beast. Um, just jump into the main card, because that was the headline that last, the Jalen Turner fight was headliner of the preliminaries. Uh, kicking off was heavyweight Sergey Spivak versus Greg Hardy. I made it known in the last episode my thoughts on Greg Hardy. I I could ki- give two shits less. I will never pick him. Even if I know he's going to win the fight, I'm never going to pick his ass because I just don't condone the behavior that he... Uh, the behavior that he had while he was in the NFL, the things that he did with his ex, and obviously I believe people should get second chances, but stuff like that with domestic violence and all that other stuff, nope, doesn't work for me. He was a ass on the football field. He was a complete dick when he played for the Panthers. And he was cocky. And then coming into the UFC, he gave himself the nickname Prince of War. And it's like, okay, that's a terrible, terrible name, nickname. Especially for him. The guy's 7-5. and five, And really, he hasn't beaten anybody worth mentioning. Got starched by Tai Tuivasa, and then he started talking shit about Derek Lewis, and it's like, dude, Derek Lewis would would whoop the shit out of you. Uh, just okay. Getting back on track. Anyways, that's that's my two cents on uh, Greg Hardy. I just don't like him, and I don't condone his behavior, and I don't think that a guy like that should get spotlight in the UFC. And hopefully, his contract his contract was up. I hope that that experiment is over. I hope they don't re-sign him i hope that he doesn't make a bunch of money and he has to fight in like fucking 
no, I don't even know. I hope he fights in like the like the indies of uh, MMA in terms of my professional wrestling fans that I have out there. <laughs> uh, okay, back on track. Sergey Spivak. He was able to put Greg Hardy away in the first round. He got hit with a like a vicious low kick. Greg Hardy's legs are stout, and he landed a really good low kick. And I was like, oh, shit, this could be a problem if it goes, you know, all three rounds. But Sergey was able to get in close, landed some good shots, dropped Greg, and then was able to finish him with some good ground and pound. Uh, There's a lot of stuff that I saw on Twitter, which is basically like Brett Okamoto from ESPN. He essentially said, like, is this over? Are we done with the Greg Hardy experiment? Is it done? Hopefully it is. Sorry if you guys can hear my dog. Uh, panting in the microphone because she's right next to the mic. But, um, yeah, Sergey looked good. Obviously, he's another guy that recently his biggest downfall was he fought a guy in Tom Aspinall who's one of my favorite fighters in the UFC and probably one of my favorites, like, just in the heavyweight division. He's moves like a middleweight, super fast, great striking Good ground game. Uh, I can see him fighting for a title uh, either before the year's over this year or uh, sometime in within the next calendar year just because he is so good. And Sergey just went up against a guy who's just good. So uh, if he could rattle off a couple more wins, have a couple more good performances, he'll be getting those big-name fights like Derek Lewis, Tai Tuivasa, um, Kyle Dawkins, all those guys. So... Good on Sergey, getting the job done. In the next fight, it was welterweight division. Kevin Holland making his welterweight debut against Alex Oliveira. And I have to say, Alex Oliveira looks so good in that first round. That first round, I had it 1-0. to zero. Alex, he was slipping shots. He, was, he just looked so clear-minded. And it didn't look like he was should have been the underdog in that fight. He looked really good. And Kevin Holland, I think it was just a feeling out process. You know, he, it's hard when you're going down a weight class because obviously guys are going to be a little bit quicker. They're probably going to have a better gas tank because they're not carrying as much muscle. Um, But Kevin was able to put it together. He got into a good rhythm in the second round and dropped Alex with just like a short, like check hook, like a right and was able to finish him on the ground. Phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal ground and pound with uh, just like um, uh, hammer fists, elbows, and was able to put Alex away. And it obviously it stinks to see because I like Alex, Alex Oliveira, but it's great to see Kevin Holland pick up a big win in his welterweight debut. It'll be interesting to see how he fits in the rankings because the welterweight division is extremely stacked with obviously we got Colby Covington, we got Kamaru Usman, we've got Jorge Masvidal, we've got um, Stephen Thompson, Vicente Luque, Michael Chiesa, um, Bilal Muhammad. There's so many guys that are in that 170 division that are really freaking good. And if I've missed anybody, I apologize. There's just so many fighters in the UFC and there's so many guys in that top, you know, 15 
in the welterweight division that I could name, but those are some of the top guys that I could think of. Um, but yeah, Kevin Holland, great performance. Congratulations to you on a big win, and hopefully uh, we you get another big name in your next fight. Um, oh, another thing, Kevin Holland called out Cowboy Cerrone, so I don't know if that's going to happen because I think Cowboy's probably going to fight his last fight against Joe Lozon. That it's probably going to be like the end of it. I at least for me, I hope it is. Same with Joe Lozon because Joe Lozon's up there in age as well, but. Uh, more more power to uh, Kevin Holland for the call out. He said, "I beat one cowboy, right now I beat another." So Donald Cerrone was in attendance. Maybe he's if he has a good enough performance against Joe Lozon, he'll be able to uh, get one more fight and fight Kevin Holland. Highly doubt it, but never know. Uh, next in the featherweight division, this was like the one fight that I picked wrong was. Um, like at least for the main card, was Bryce Mitchell and Edson Barboza. Within the first 30 seconds of this fight, I, I said in the last episode that if Edson Barboza can really stay on the outside and pick Bryce apart with the leg kicks, then he'll be set. He'll be good. We like That's where he will control the fight. Just because we all anybody who pays attention to UFC, they know how dangerous uh, Edson's kicks are. They're they're up there with freaking Junior Dos Santos, um, Justin Gaethje, just guys that can pick you apart with leg kicks, whether it's from the inside or the outside. And he landed three solid leg kicks within the first 30 seconds. And I was like, well, just what I said was going to happen. And then within another 30 seconds of that, he got taken down and got pummeled in the first then the same thing happened in the second round, and then the same thing happened in the third round. Bryce Mitchell's ground game was really good. His striking from uh, in the guard or being on top was phenomenal. I think he landed 170-something ground strikes. He was 4-for-4 four four on his takedowns, and he had like 11 and a half or 12 minutes of control in a 15-minute fight, like ground control, and that's insane. That's Khabib-style shit like or any dagestani fighter islam makhachev even but they go for you know they get finishes or tkos um but bryce looked super good in this fight and i even posted on my twitter like that's a i have no issue with picking that fight wrong good for bryce mitchell i like bryce mitchell he's good he's really good and he's that backwoods boy from arkansas that he just wants to get in there and fight and Obviously, he's got this other spiritual stuff going on. Good for you. I, I'm not going to knock your, your belief system. If it's working for you, keep doing it, buddy. Um, but Edson, he just... I don't know if the cut to featherweight is too depleting on him. And his performances... Obviously, he looked really good against Shane Burgos. But he got absolutely whooped by Giga Chikadze. And then... In this fight with Bryce Mitchell, it's like the guy who's got really good ground game. I mean, most like I said in the last episode, the Brazilian most Brazilians have some sort of ground game with Brazilian jiu-jitsu. And you would have never known because he couldn't pass Bryce Mitchell. Like, oh, sorry. He couldn't get out of off his back. He was just stuck in guard all the time. 
and Bryce Mitchell was doing damage. Bryce Mitchell was landing a lot of shots, 170 plus. Um, and his takedown defense was nowhere. Like he just couldn't get away. So I think just that top pressure was exhausting. Cutting to 145 is probably really exhausting. So I don't know if he needs to go back to 155 or just take a break and try to analyze what he needs to do. But I don't think being at featherweight's really doing him any favors. So he needs. I think he needs to look into either going back up or just taking some time off to just get better in certain aspects of his game. Um, after the fight, Bryce Mitchell said he was going to donate half of his purse to um, a Children's Foundation in Arkansas. Like maybe it was called the Arkansas Ch- Children's Foundation or whatever. Um, and nice enough on Dana White. Dana said, you know, you earned your money because Bryce just signed a contract extension. Dana said, you know, you earned your money. Go ahead and I'll pay for that $45,000 uh, in your name. And then Bryce Mitchell said, well, I'm I'm trying to plant seeds and see how this thing grows. So he's giving back to the community. That's awesome on Bryce Mitchell. Really nice guy, really humble, you know, farmer. So I think Embedded was really great for casual fans to get to see who Bryce Mitchell is and how he is. Uh, only guy in the UFC that has camo shorts, like a, a camo fight kit. So good on him. Way to go, Bryce Mitchell. Congratulations on probably the biggest win of your career thus far. And let's see where this thing goes. Let's see. Uh, let's see where you can take this thing with your twister self. Um, in the co-main, it was Rafael dos Anjos versus Hinato Moicano. And this fight was kind of, there was some, I guess there was like kind of an uproar during this fight because people were upset that the ref didn't stop the fight. People were upset that uh, Moicano's corner. That's enough. That's enough. Come on. Come here. Sorry, guys. Um, people were upset that Moicano's corner didn't throw the towel in because he was getting beaten to a pulp. Um, RDA looked phenomenal. He looked really good. His striking was on point. His ground game was on point. His takedowns were on point. Uh, obviously, I, I say they're on point. He was 5 for 15 on his takedown attempts, but still, he got 33%. Like, he was... Every third takedown he got. So, it, it stinks for Hinato Moicano because he stepped in on short notice and he uh, is coming off of a great performance a couple weeks ago. But Moicano did have to cut significant amount of weight. I think 20 pounds in like three or four days, which isn't terrible, but it's also not great. at. It's not great for your body. Um. RDA, he, I really wish he, it would have been RDA versus Islam, but obviously it, it came out and Dana White reported that Islam's team and Islam rejected the fight at 170, even though RDA was like, all right, well, let's do it at 170. And they still backed out. So that's a fight I'd like, I'd love to get. It's really turning into like a Khabib versus Tony Ferguson situation between RDA and Islam, but oh well, what you going to do? Um, yeah, and I like to see where RDA goes from here. 
because I think in terms of the 155 pound division, I think he could get back to a lightweight title. I really think he could. I don't know if he'd win it, but I I think he could get there. He's got to fight some guys like you know Justin Gaethje or Michael Chandler or Dustin Poirier. If Dustin Poirier ends up going to 170, then I guess it's kind of out the window. But he there's fights there that he's gonna have to he's gonna have to take. He's gonna have to get some some big name wins. But you know anything can happen. It's the fun about MMA is that you know any given Sunday anybody can be beaten or anybody could get beat. So. Kudos to RDA, f- fantastic performance. Kudos to Moicano. He gained a fan in me. I I wasn't like the biggest Hinata Moicano fan, but uh, after that and his display, his his ability to you know withstand the storm. Essentially, he got he. It looked like he got hit by a fucking Mack truck. Is what it looked like. It was bad. It was really bad. Uh, his face was beaten up pretty good. His freaking nose was busted. His eye was you know, close shut early in the fight, like within the second round, I think second or third. And it was a five round fight, which I didn't even understand why the hell they made that a five round fight. I get it. He was supposed to fight Rafael Fazeev RDA was, but, and that was a, supposed to be a main event uh, on the fight or on a fight night card. So they made it a five round fight. But after that fell through, I don't know why they kept it a five round fight. That didn't make any sense to me. It's like, not to was in a trained for a three round fight in his last one with uh, Alexander Hernandez, and then he steps in on short notice, and then it's a five round fight. So kudos to him for doing that, but he could have saved himself a lot of damage and a lot of head trauma if he would have just taken a three round fight. Um, hopefully, he got paid handsomely. It was he had moments there in the fifth round, which I would say probably the fifth round was his was his best round. He he looked really good in the fifth round, but um, it was just he took too much damage and RDA took some big shots, but he didn't waver. He he returned fire, and I think in like the in the fourth or fifth round or both rounds, I think he kind of treated it like a sparring session where he I I don't think he really wanted to do like a a lot of damage to. Moicano. I think he just wanted to, you know, piece him up a little bit and then get out of there, like make it through. And then in the fifth round, when Moicano started throwing just bombs, he was like, "Okay, fuck it. I'm gonna return fire then, because I'm not getting put away once I since I've been controlling this whole fight." Um. So yeah, congrats RDA on another big win. I think he's one of like seven or eight fighters now in the UFC that have broken the twenty win in the UFC. Um, if I can, can I even name them all? So there's Michael Bisping, GSP, um, Charles Oliveira, Andre Arlovsky, um, Cowboy Cerrone, unless I already said Cowboy Cerrone, um, RDA, and then there's a couple others that I can't remember off the top of my head, but yeah. So uh, he's joining a, a, a very high list, so kudos to him. Uh, and then the main event was Colby Covington versus Jorge Gamebred Masvidal. This one, 
it's like I said, I was kind of I was kind of torn in my pick last time simply because uh, I could see it where Masvidal does some he might have done some crazy shit where his strike like maybe his wrestling just got like significantly better or if he throws a fucking flying knee or something within the first 10 seconds and knocks Colby out. And he tried to right off the bat. He ran did like a running uh, jumping front kick and missed like just absolutely whiffed uh in the first round colby went in he went for a strike and he poked jorge in the eye and then jorge backed up and he's like you fucking poked me in the eye so then colby capitalized on that because herb didn't see it herb dean and he was able to secure a takedown lots of you know ground control he landed a shitload of strikes like yeah, it was 218 to 90 overall. Colby was 6 for 15 on his takedowns. He got a submission attempt, didn't get it, obviously. But he pushed the pressure on Jorge, and it's kind of like what I thought was going to happen, where it's just going to be volume, lots of strikes. He's not going to do significant damage. Jorge wasn't in danger at any point. Like, he just wasn't. But Colby worked his ass for you know four rounds and then uh ended up getting clipped he got caught uh jorge caught him with the shot and dropped him and colby recovered really quickly later on colby said oh i wasn't hurt i tripped all this other shit that's just you know the his narrative that he wants to push so kudos to you colby i mean if it's working for you then it works for you but you got caught and you got clipped um the biggest thing was when he got clipped, Jorge was so... I think what happened is Jorge was just so fucking tired from getting wrestled into oblivion that he couldn't push the pace because he was exhausted. He clipped him, and then he wasn't really able to do anything because he just was so fucking tired. And it was just more of the same for the rest of the fight. Like, you know, Jorge had moments. He had good good moments with leg kicks and stuff. And some decent body shots, like body kicks. But Colby withstood the storm. And he was able to get, you know, like I said, he got six takedowns. He had a lot of ground time control. And he made it look easy. You know, obviously got caught, like I said. But other than that, he was on his back. He was making Jorge carry his weight, which is what he did. Well, Actually, that's what he does in most of his fights. You look what he did to Tyron Woodley. You look what he did to Robbie Lawler. And it's volume punches. It has nothing. He doesn't throw a lot of power. He doesn't deplete his gas tank. It's just punches and bunches. Lots of volume. Feel the pressure. Get you up against the cage. And then take you down. And I think that was the biggest mistake that Jorge made. Is Jorge didn't. Jorge was backed up against the cage a lot of the time, which is why he got taken down. It didn't have anything really to do with, you know, his takedown defense. I mean, he was able to stop nine nine attempts. It's the fact that when he did get taken down, it's because his back was against the cage and he was in a terrible position and he was just so fucking tired. So after the fight, um, I'll, I'll speak about Jorge first. Jorge said that he you know, was just too flat-footed. His his takedown defense wasn't good enough. His wrestling wasn't on point, so he needed to get back to that. Uh, I think another thing is his his gas tank is just 
not where it needs to be to be competing in those high-level fights. The guy just signed the third most lucrative deal in UFC history behind Conor McGregor and Israel, uh, Israel Adesanya. And if that's what you're paying for as the UFC, I think you would like to see more. Like, yeah, he's a pay-per-view draw. That's awesome. But at the same time, if you're a pay-per-view draw and you're not winning fights, eventually you're not going to be a draw anymore because people are going to be tired of watching you lose. So if people just do what what uh, what Colby did or what Kamaru did in the first fight, and I know it's completely different because Jorge took the fight on short notice in their first fight with Kamaru Usman, had to fly across country or had to fly overseas, had to cut weight and do all this other shit while he was um, getting ready for a short notice fight, but he still got. He was just too tired and wrestling and being up against the cage and getting foot stomped and doing, you know, knees to the legs and shit. It took its toll, and Jorge was just too tired. And then in the second fight with Usman, we didn't get to really see much uh, in terms... It didn't go long enough because I think Jorge, or uh, Kamaru beat, knocked him out in the second round. So, definitely something... Obviously, I'm not... I'm not a professional. I'm not, I've never fought MMA, but just from my perspective, I, I think working on your cardio, which is going to be harder to do at 37 years of age and working on your wrestling, which you can't just develop great wrestling overnight. That's something that takes all these guys years and years of practice. You look at Colby's been doing it since he was six years old. You look at Kamaru who's been doing it for years and years and years. You look at, Ben Askren, who did it his whole life. All these guys that were are phenomenal wrestlers have been doing it all their life. So, obviously, you can you can practice and you can bring all the best training partners that are wrestlers in the world, and it's not really going to mean anything until you know you've had that time to really utilize it and and put it into motion in a fight. Which obviously it didn't. He. Jorge didn't really get a chance to show his takedown defense because he fought a guy who is just a wrestler and a grinder, and that's what he does. Um, Colby, after the fight, I think Colby knows that after losing twice to Camaro and Camaro being out, uh, Camaro being out with his hand injury, and then he's more than likely going to fight Leon Edwards next. It's kind of like, who who is there for him? And he called out Dustin Poirier because Dustin Poirier was talking about making a move up to making a move up to 170. Um, so that'd be an entertaining one. He talked about how it's on site and all this other shit. And so who knows? That could be a fun one. I think Colby would win that fight just because he's naturally a 170-er and Dustin's been fighting at 155. And I think the wrestling would really come in like strong because I think Jorge's just as dangerous of a striker as Dustin. Maybe not as crisp and precise, but in terms of like knockout power, I think they're on the same level. And I just don't think Colby would allow himself to be in positions where he could get hit. He's just too good. Um Yeah, so Colby Covington versus Dustin Poirier is something that Colby wants. Uh I think after that, if that fight doesn't come to fruition, then Colby should fight whoever wins out of uh, 
Kamzat Shemaev and Gilbert Burns because that fight was announced for, I think, UFC 274. Is that right? UFC... I want to say that's what it is scheduled for is UFC 274. I don't even fucking know. Anyways, either way, um, that's going to be a fun one. I'm glad that that came to fruition. Um, yeah, so let me know who you guys had uh, picked for your fights because in the comment section below if you're on YouTube. And, yeah, because I'm interested to see what your guys' takes were. I want to know what your guys' thoughts were on the fight card and who you think. Like, I don't even know who Jorge should fight next. It's... I would love if if Leon loses to Kamaru, I'd love to see Leon versus Jorge just so that they can get that fight from a couple years ago, like where they were backstage and Jorge gave him a three-piece and a soda. I'd like to see that one just because it'd be interesting to see if Jorge can still hang in that top four, top five. Um, yeah. So let's go ahead and let's take a look at next week's... Um, fight card which is Tiago Santos versus Magomed Ankalaev. Um on this fight card we have let's see if there's anybody of big named in the preliminary cards. Okay. We've got Trevin Jones, uh Chris Matinho who uh, obviously lost to um Sugar Sean O'Malley. He's gonna be fighting on the preliminary card. JJ Aldridge versus Jillian Robertson is another good one. Um, and then on the main card, you've got Alex Pijera versus Bruno Silva. That's going to be a fun fight. Drew Dober versus Terrence McKinney. Terrence McKinney's stepping in on short notice after his finish last week, I think. So he's stepping in on short notice against Drew Dober. Uh, Khalil Roundtree versus Carl Roberson is going to be a fun one. Sadiq Youssef versus uh, Alex uh, Caceres. Marlon Marais versus Song Yudong. And then Tiago Santos versus Magomed Ankalaev is the headliner. So this is a lot of fun. This this fight card looks stacked for a fight night card. And I'm pumped to see it. I hope it's going to be a good one. I hope it's not a stinker. Uh, and then after that, the fight night card is, is going to be uh, Alexander Volkov versus Tom Aspinall. And that's going to be the one that's, uh, I think, in London? Or it's in England. It should be in England. So I think that's going to do it for me, guys. I uh, hope you enjoyed the episode. If you did, make sure to, again, like the video, subscribe to the channel, and uh, comment down below. Let me know what your guys' thoughts were on UFC 272. If there's anything that you'd like me to talk about in future videos, then please comment that down below on YouTube. Uh, podcast, make sure to tune in. Check out the podcast on all podcast platforms. And there's all kinds of them. And then... Again, hit that notification bell so you can see when our videos go live. That's going to do it for me. Hope you enjoyed. Until next time, peace. Talk to you guys later.